0: giving you today welcome back to moving with meaning the podcast where actions have meaning words have meaning and we open up the conversations to discover what's your next move i'm your host crystal isn't it amazing how conversations with children have a profound impact on you think about it how do you respond to them when they ask you a question What happens if you don't know the answer? Because after all, we're the adults. We should know. In the eyes of the children, that is. What about how we express our hurt to them? Or how we offer comfort to them? I have found that the purest form of comfort from a child's hug is genuine, sincere, and full of everything you need in that moment. I have the perfect word for today's episode, so here we go. The word of the day is culpability. This is the consideration of whether you feel deserving of being accountable for some unfortunate occurrence. In today's episode, we are going to talk about an interaction with my youngest son. You know, the stubborn know-it-all? Well... He may be on to something, but we had a bit of a tantrum where he refused to take accountability for his actions, or rather, inaction. I don't want to give it all away, so let's go ahead and hop into the episode. So, the background. My youngest son is an avid baseball player. He said he is going to play in college and he wants to be just like Jackie Robinson, He's already got himself set on getting an athletic scholarship, and you know what? I'm just fine with that. Recently, he had a game where his team was playing a really strong team. Like, that team's pitcher was throwing the ball so fast, the kids and us parents were just hoping for four balls (laughs) so they could just walk to the first base. Anyhow... Jumping to the end, the score was 5-4. They were up by 1. Our team was up to bat, and we were the home team in the last inning. This means if we don't get the runs in, the game was over. There were two players on base and one out. My baby is the first batter in the batting order lineup, so we are back to our top hitters. I remember him walking up to the base and me cheering him on. He looked fine as he held his bat, ready to lay into it. The first pitch comes in straight down the center. And my baby doesn't even move. Normally he would put his bat down and look at me, but he didn't. He just stood there. I remember yelling out encouragement. Second pitch... And third pitch comes, and he stays frozen. He then marks the second out. The next batter is up, and he knocks the first pitch that comes in into the outfield. We end up taking the win. After the game, I wanted to talk to him, my youngest, because he also made two mistakes at third base, which had four runs. But I just wanted to talk to him about some simple corrections and also to check with him on what happened when he was up at bat. Because I've never seen him do that before. I knew he was feeling a feeling and I wanted to hear him talk it through. Boy, did he light into me. It was all my fault that I was cheering him on and it was making him hesitate. And of course, I'm reacting to that logically offended because I'm like the entire section was cheering you not just me (laughs) I let him go on at me and I just felt myself shut down yes from my own child I just said okay I won't cheer for you anymore you are saying I am the problem so I will remove myself his reaction was I guess incredulous he said why would you say that then just burst into tears. At this point, I had reached this level of apathy where I was just stoic and looking at him and asking without any emotion, like very little, why are you crying? I just told you I was going to give you exactly what you wanted. Before I take you through the rest of what happened, I wanted to go over the things I thought about because we both had to sleep on it before we could come back to that particular conversation. So let's do a quick recap of of me. By now, you have realized that I am the oldest of my siblings. It's just two of us. I was molested by a family member, and that still plagues me to this day. I didn't receive the kind of support I needed, but we'll get to that after I laid the groundwork. So my brother, my younger brother, is, well, spoiled, but responsible. We're close, and he really enjoys being in my presence. He has finally transitioned into that protector that my mother explained to us on a previous episode I posted. Yeah, that's the best way I can explain it. My mother had me out of wedlock before she graduated college as well. And I I believe there is some shame on her part for that because she tried to hide it from me. She's also the youngest of 12 children. Now, my father is very driven and supportive in a lot of things I do. He's actually the one I turn to when things get hard because I believe he relates to me emotionally more so than my mother. He is the fourth child of five and the way that his parents and siblings treated him was pretty insignificant. He has a very low opinion of himself. I didn't even realize this until when his mother died and that whole fighting over the will kind of stuff, how all that went down, I really saw how low he felt of himself. Yeah, as I grew older, I could see how birth order has affected each of us but also the various ways you internalize disdain received from your family, both internal and extended. I don't really get that from my own parents the same way my dad got it from his. And my brother didn't get it the same way as my brother got it from her siblings, being the youngest. Okay, so I hope that sets things up to follow me through today's conversation. Being raised by, well, broken parents. As early as I can remember, there was always a heightened level of responsibility on me. There was no leniency. So my punishments were more severe, as in I had to stay in my room longer, or I couldn't go outside and play. And as I got older, my chores got heavier, and I had to really play by the rules to hang out with my friends, Like any lip or maybe I forgot to change the clothes over from the washer to the dryer or something like that. That was it. I was grounded for the entire week. I remember being scared of getting on a roller coaster as a little girl and my mom would make me get on it. Like she was pulling me to get on there. And I remember asking her why she did that to me. And she let my brother walk away from it because he was scared. She just said, I didn't want you to be this scary girl. Not in the sense that girls were scary, but me being a female, I was going to go through some things. And she saw this as, I guess, a lesson in stepping through that fear and conquering it in a figurative sense. I mean me crying was frowned upon so I just figured out a way to redirect that I think that's where writing took hold for me she really taught me to cook and clean and all the things my brother too but she was really hard on me and my dad would just stand there it was like they were in cahoots gosh when boys started liking me Let's just say I didn't really start dating until college. It was this one point where my mom asked me, why don't you go hang out with your friends? I looked at her like she was crazy. Are you serious? I am grounded most of the time. Who makes plans with someone who is always grounded? Nah, she did let up then. Maybe made a little point to her. My dad was just a hard worker, so I believe... I got my work ethic and fortitude from him. But it was like a maniacal obsession for him climbing the corporate ladder. He would be the first to work and the last to leave. I remember being at his office with my brother playing hangman on his whiteboard while he would work because my mom had another engagement. After a while, we would get tired and then asked to go home And he wouldn't leave until 8 or 9 p.m. My brother latched onto me quick. But I think that had a lot to do with the fact that they needed me to entertain him while they were dealing with their stuff. So I would tutor him in math, play and watch video games with him, watch movies and all the things siblings did. But when I hit high school, it was like I was leaving him behind because I had to make my own friends. And I don't think he understood that much because he always found a way to tag along. Now, my parents didn't hide from me that they were raising me to be independent. So when I would cry about something, there wasn't any soothing. It was snap out of it. And you figure this out. That solution to that answer was isolation. Not from my cousins and aunts, but from the people around me. Listen, I have very fond memories of my childhood. My dad would surprise us with an Easter basket every Easter and give me and my mom Valentine's on Valentine's Day. We lived in Omaha, Nebraska, so we experienced all four seasons. Our favorites were fall and winter. More so because of the traditions we did. Oh... Christmas was the best. My mom and I would go to uh, Christmas shows and we would do that yearly, just she and I. She would also pull out all the stops for decorations and we all helped hang them and decorate the tree just how she wanted it. We drank eggnog warm and when my brother and I came in from the snow, either shoveling or playing she would have warm cocoa or apple cider waiting for us you know because of that my brother and I had made a pact to go back to the north that didn't happen but I planned to take my kids on vacation so that I can live in that moment in that time with them as I did then as long as my parents were away from their parents and siblings things were okay but I started to notice things when they were around them I didn't recognize my mother it was like she would go back in time as a little girl and they her siblings would treat her that way pretty dismissive and she accepted that treatment but she was hurt because she has unconditional love for all her nieces, nephews and siblings but she doesn't feel they do for her i have to say i agree but she can only fix that by demanding respect and that's a long hill to climb considering the age that everyone is at that everyone is now fortunately her parents loved her very very much And she had many loving stories to tell me. Today, I can see the treatment of her siblings taking a toll on her mentally. She stays in toxic friendships, hoping this person will change and give her the same loyalty she gives to them. But I don't think that person will. What keeps my mom there is the relationship we, as in her children, have with this person's children. I love them like they are my flesh and blood, and they do back, so it's hard to separate that. I can see her slipping because of her trying to hold on, and she doesn't have to. Not for the relationship of the kids. We can separate that. And I assured her that dissolving her friendship will not impact the relationship with us kids, if you will. (laughs) What will be, will be. Now, my dad's issues were more uh, with how his parents treated him. I know they held his older brother in high regard. My dad would tell me stories of how his mother would beat him and how he felt dismissed, I would say, by her. But that never stopped him from loving, protecting, and respecting her. This is why being a parent, to me, hits so much harder. And the responsibility is so high. Your children will love you through your pain and even the dismissiveness that you show to them. They want your love so bad that they will take it any way they can get it. As parents, we have a strong accountability to show that our children don't have to reach far or settle for the scraps of our love. I only heard about fond stories my dad said about his dad. But I do believe he was pretty hard on him as well. Obviously, they wanted to correct the mistakes their family members did with them, with us. I think they succeeded for the most part. As a little girl, yes, I felt my parents loved me. But as the rules tightened, things became more conditional in my eyes. I only got praise really during sports. My grades were never good enough. My manners always needed improving, etc. But the compliments from others were plenty. It still didn't matter because I would always think, why can't you guys see this same thing in me that the others do? I laugh about this now, but when we would try to use slang, uh, my mom would always say in her southern accent, What kind of word is that? Let me go ahead and get my money back from these schools I'm paying for. Now listen, I know she was joking. It was just an example of how much she was on us. This translated to I couldn't disappoint her or embarrass her, not even privately. As an adult, it is much more lighthearted because, well, I mean, I'm grown and she isn't raising me. She's moved into a supportive role now. So knowing that as a child, how I interpreted things and how much my kids are watching me, I am very careful with my words and I take the time to explain things to them. There is no because I said so's. Well, you have to catch me on an empty cup day, but I always come back to explain. My kids thrive on my praise, and they seek to see me smile. The love of a cheering mom in the stands, and boy, I am the cheerleader. My daughter, she herself is a cheerleader, and I'm cheering for her like she's in a basketball game. And she wouldn't have it any other way. My oldest, he's more reserved so as long as I am there and can recount what I saw, he knows. So I shift to the comfort of my children because I have lived their life. My mom has this saying, I've been your age, you haven't been mine. And because of that, I make the necessary adjustments in communication so I leave no doubt that whatever they do, or want to be is just fine with me. I could never be disappointed or embarrassed. They are of me. To do that would be to be disappointed and embarrassed of myself. And I am certainly shedding that shame today. Let's just say, don't comfort my children. Now that we have the context, let's get back to my baby boy and his breakdown at his baseball game. We got home, and basically, we both had to sleep on it. There was too much emotion between the both of us that nothing was going to get accomplished. That's a hard thing to do, to stop in the middle of a discussion, to let each other relax. We always want to keep going like we are gaining momentum, and we are. It's just downhill. On well, the next morning, I was in my office writing, and my son has this routine where he wakes up every morning and my office is the first stop to say good morning. I love you and give me a hug. This morning, he said true and came down. But this time after the hug, he said, Mommy, it wasn't your fault that I hesitated last night. I said, Oh, well, what was it then? He smiled and said, it was me. I was nervous and scared I wasn't going to hit that ball. So I just didn't even try. We talked about it more and discussed being accountable for our own actions or inactions. Also, blaming others hurts the other person, especially when you cannot articulate how they made you feel and what you would like for them to do instead. But I was proud of him for figuring this out on his own. I told him that I am proud of him just to be out there. He just smiled and recanted on his statement the night before. You can cheer for me, mommy. And you know what? The very next game, he hit the game-winning ball and scored an infield home run. That is the power of forgiveness, recognition, and growth. So... We had some golden nuggets and you know how we do. We had that ketchup just to recap. 1. Examine the source of your feelings and hold yourself accountable. 2. Be calm in your expression with others and know when to take a break. I always say there's power in the pause. 3. Everyone has their moments. Be considerate and patient. The lesson is there, but everyone moves at their own pace. And four, taking accountability for your actions and feelings about them has immediate results. That's the episode today. Have any of you had experiences where you wanted to fault everyone else but yourself? Drop a comment if you can relate to blaming others for your own actions, statements, or decisions. Even if you haven't had this experience, I'd still love to hear how you took the steps to ensure you always remained accountable for yourself. I love it all, and so will someone else. Make sure you guys subscribe to the show, Moving With Me in the Podcast, and tap that alert bell so you know when these episodes drop. I'm on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. If I get enough downloads and follows, I might be inspired to drop a few episodes in a single week. Please share, like, follow, repost. We are creating a community. Quick housekeeping before you go. Follow me on Instagram at movingwithmeaning82 and my Facebook page, Moving With Meaning. Also connect with me on LinkedIn. I do dabble a bit in TikTok at crystal b clark also my youtube channel moving with meaning is up and running go ahead and check it out links are in the episode all righty i'm crystal on moving with meaning the podcast reminding you to take it one step at a time all moves have meaning check y'all later